Should probably put a like a content warning on this one. Hello and welcome to Content Warning. <laughs> Today we talk about sad feelings. Yeah. The second half of the show, the story deals with depression, and then I talk about it for we talk about depression for a bit. So if that doesn't sound like something you want to be hearing right now, you could stop before my story starts. Yeah. <laughs> This is Double Issue. I'm Daniel. And I'm Quentin. And this is a show where we're world building a superhero universe together through questions and stories. This week we're talking about the writing prompt of Voids. And our stories had to include Amy Dangerous, one of our characters. Yeah. Quentin sort of cheated on this one. Because he wrote this one a while back. And cheat? You're just lazy. I am. I'm very lazy. (laughs) I got my story done in good time, though. It's actually done as of recording, minus some editing. Yeah. Usually I'm still like, okay, so the last paragraph is going to be like this stuff. Yeah, I wrote mine a while back to submit to a writing contest. Yeah. So I felt like maybe it could stand. I wrote it as part of the double issue universe because that's where my head was at. But uh, I felt maybe I was... It was its own thing enough to stand on its own. Yeah. And the extra double issue things you've added since just really sealed the deal. Do we have any intro stuff? Man, I've just been trying to finish Adventure Time, so I haven't really been looking at anything else and reading. Yeah, I've not been doing much superhero related. Yeah. I've just been mainly playing more Into the Breach. Oh, yeah. Four wins in four runs. Future Quentin here. I do have to cut in and say that since recording this, I have lost a run of Into the Breach. I lost on the last phase of the last mission with the Frozen Mech team. And I'm very sad that my streak is over. All right, back to the show. Well, we commissioned some art. Yeah, from... Tailstake, Tail, right? yeah. Uh, one half of the Hey, I've Got an Idea show. You've heard some ads on our show for their show, which, if you have not checked out, is a very good show. And they did one of my ideas. I gave them an invention thing. I wanted them to invent a staple remover. And then I listened to it at work, and they said Quentin a lot. And it was very unsettling <laughs> to hear my name said over and over again. <laughs> But they have that podcast. But uh, uh, Tailstake is an artist when he's not on the podcast. And when he is on the podcast, he has amnesia and can't remember how to do art. (laughs) He's an artist all the time. He draws some comics. We'll put some links to those. Like Forward Comic, Leftover Soup. I think those are the titles of some of them. But we'll have links to that different stuff. But we commissioned some art for Amy, and it turned out amazing. Yeah. She looks really good. And so, if you think Amy looked different, do some fan art. Show us up. (laughs) Yeah. Give us some other ideas. Or do other characters so that we can shamelessly borrow your artwork. Yeah, and I think 
we want to commission some more art in the future but don't don't draw if you want to draw fan art draw fan art for yourself or for us or whatever but do that as like not as a tryout for us hiring a commission artist if 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 you want to draw a character do it because you want to draw a character if you are an artist and you do take commissions you can email us and we'll look at you know other art you've done but don't like do a tryout art or anything because i don't want people to do art specifically for the show and not be paid for it and also i don't want to pay people just because they send us art don't worry about quinn we'll pay him in exposure (laughs) but it should be it should be a two-way street but if you want to do just fan art go wild for it you can do your own interpretation of amy or any other character and we would love to see that, I think. Yeah, let's just get into the stories then. Yeah, here's my story. Empty Space by Daniel J. Poole Amy opened her eyes. She stood at a door. Examining it, she watched a bright blue palm scanner blink at one side. She sighed and pressed her hand to it. The door slid open with a whoosh. Inside, a sleek briefing room was alive with activity. Amy took a seat. Moonglow, Captain Infinity, Archival, and Hildy studied a holographic map of a facility. A small, cube-shaped building sat on top a sprawling maze of passageways beneath the surface. Captain Infinity leaned over and asked, Late night? No, replied Amy. I overdid it yesterday. Who's the bad guy today? Hildy the Hunter cleared her throat and said, As I was saying, the cult of Hecate is focusing their forces at this temple in Liberia. We aren't allowed to enter the country, so we need a covert team to infiltrate the compound, gather intel, and leave without a trace. Uh, I can dive bomb it from orbit. I'll leave a crater, but I'll make it look like a random meteorite struck the place, Amy said. Hildy crossed her arms. Help me out here, Moonglow. The elderly hero blinked. She yawned and sat up. What did you say? She asked. Hildy stamped her foot. Her eyebrow twitched. She took a deep breath and said, We need to learn a little more about this cult before we turn their headquarters into a crater. We don't know who they are, what they want, or if they have other locations. Blowing them up would force them deeper underground. Amy blew a bubble with her gum. It popped with a smack, making Archfall flinch. Amy rubbed her eyes. She couldn't even remember flying to the Aegis Tower that morning. She stood up, crossed the room to a tea cart nestled between a pair of beeping supercomputers. The hero took a cup and poured coffee into it. Hildy hashed out details with everyone behind her, but Amy couldn't make out their words. It all seemed so trivial. Wake up, punch bad guys, go to sleep. She wondered when the last time was she had taken a day off. A real day for herself. No genocides, giant robots, or madmen trying to force their change on the world. How was it that Amy was the strongest hero on the planet but couldn't get out of boring office meetings? How many tragedies could she have prevented in the time it took her to pour this coffee? From over her shoulder, Captain Infinity's voice broke her thought process. I agree with Hildy. As much as I hate to give her the satisfaction of being right, you know? Hmm, what's that? Asked Amy. The plan. We should use her plan, he replied. Amy inspected his hairline. Had it receded? She thought there hadn't been as much gray the other day. Oh, his hair wasn't gray at all. It was fuller than she remembered. He waved a hand in front of her face. He said, Earth to Amy, hello. Is this thing on? (laughs) 
He chuckled, but didn't mean it. She blinked and focused back on his eyes. Amy nodded. Alright, so you and she will infiltrate the compound, he said. You'll be the muscle, and she'll disable the security as you go. If we do this right, no one will ever know we were there. The rest of us will be in orbit, ready to jump in if things get out of hand. Amy checked her coffee. Half full. She stopped pouring and added a fistful of sugar packets. She took a sip. It didn't taste like anything. Captain Infinity took the coffee from her and put it down. He said, I need you to focus here, okay? We need whatever is inside that vault. Amy nodded. At the conference table, at the conference table, Hildy detailed the facility's security network. It all looked like a glowing ink smudge to Amy. Moonglow nodded off in her seat again. Archival focused on the presentation. Amy thought out a quick message to the Martian, but he didn't respond. She turned her attention to the monitor behind Hildy. Storm clouds gathered over an ocean. A small town perched on the cliffs at the water's edge braced for landfall. Its lights blinked in rhythm to the lightning. Amy! Hildy said in a strained whisper. She was crouched next to her by a concrete wall. Where is your head? I need your help with this door, it's jammed! The pair stood outside a plain-looking concrete structure. Satellite dishes and antennas protruded from the simple gray cube. High fencing surrounded them with Constantina wire strung between the posts. Amy could hear men yelling nearby in a gathering storm. Placing a finger at the door hinge, she swept downwards. The door collapsed inside the building. Hildy sprung over the door and caught it in time to keep it from slamming on the ground. We have to be quiet, said the hunter. Remember? Stealth! Amy shrugged. Hildy pushed the door back into place. Using a small blowtorch, she affixed the door back to the jam. They crept through the facility. The first two floors were boring gray rooms with boring gray cabinets. The cabinets had flashing lights and musical beeps. Amy figured that it was a server warehouse. Hildy led Amy to a rusty door at the farthest end of the lowest hallway. The hunter struggled to pull the door open. Inside, the room was empty except for a single light bulb hanging from a wire. The wall had a faint rectangular outline that was discolored from the rest. Hildy retrieved a small handful of bombs from a belt. Amy waved her off. She swiped her finger around the outline and pulled the rectangle of cement free from the hidden passage leading further into the facility. Hildy placed her bombs back into her utility belt with care. The two heroes descended further into the facility. As they walked, the walls turned from concrete to reinforced steel. It was built to withstand orbital bombardments. The doors, likewise, went from steel fire doors to sliding glass doors. It was the right choice not to punch my way down here, Amy said. Hildy didn't reply. She was peeking through viewports on the blast doors. I said, you were right about the plan. Amy added. Hilly said, Oh, right, well, we need to find out what these cultists are up to. Amy's lips pursed. She took a deep breath. Placing her hand on a nearby blast door, she pressed her fingers into the metal. It gave way at her touch. She peeled it back with her fingers like an orange peel. Amy made the opening wide enough to enter. After you, she said. Hilly stared at the rough opening, then looked to Amy before she ducked inside. She pointed her flashlight into the room, sweeping the beam from side to side. Someone screeched and receded into the shadows. Only the person's yellow eyes stood out from the darkness. The light caught blue skin with long, dark hair. The blue person slapped at the ground. What is that? Hildy asked. She trembled, making the light shake. Amy placed a hand on Hildy's. She pushed the light down as if it were a loaded gun. Amy said, Whatever they are, 
They came a long way to be stuck in a cage. After leaving, Amy took hold of the door and bent the metal back over the entry. Fieldy hugged herself now. Amy motioned to the hunter to follow her. They passed more identical rooms. Behind each one, a blue creature with yellow eyes hissed from the shadows. The pair approached the vault door, twice as big as any of the others. Hildy said, Okay, whatever the deepest, darkest secret this place has is right behind this door. Amy rolled her eyes. She said, Yeah, champ, that's how vaults work. Her fingers dug into the steel, lifting up the gears ground against one another as it opened. Hildy ran inside as soon as she could fit through the gap. She swung her flashlight from side to side. The light reflected off polished white marble surfaces that ran for a hundred feet from the door. She followed the corners of the room to the ceiling, which drew into a single point a hundred feet above them. It was completely empty. Hildy looked around wildly. She said, but, but, but. You sound like a motorboat, Amy said. Hildy stomped her foot. Where is it? Where's what? Amy asked. Hildy stomped her foot again. What were you hiding in here? Me? Er, I meant the, uh, cult of Hecatate. Nice save, Belfie. Hildy stopped where she stood. From the back of her head, a nose sprouted through her hair. A pair of yellow eyes and a smile followed. Their joints flipped back to realign her arms and legs. Her skin turned a deep dark blue. She asked, How long did you know? Oh, I guessed at the entrance to the briefing room, replied Amy. We had a big fight about the color of the security pad at the door. We couldn't decide between red, green, blue, or amber. We picked amber, but left blue on the blueprints. Also, Captain Infinity and Moonglow weren't there. I just thought about how nice it would have been for them to be there. Amy performed a backstroke through the room. Reality disappeared as the walls and floor faded away. A void formed around them, stretching endlessly. Belfagor asked, Why did you bring me down here, then? Why not just wake up? Wanted to see what you were after, Belf scoffed. So you're toying with me? Never, Amy said. Just curious. You know, you could have asked. What was this chamber supposed to be? My mind vault? Did you want to see my deepest, darkest secret? Belphegor and Amy orbited one another. The demon sighed and said, Mammon offered me some cash to find out wherever you went for three years. Liar. The blue woman narrowed her eyes at the hero. About what? Amy rolled her eyes. She said, You can steal any billionaire's bank account number. You don't need money. What were you really looking for? Belth rubbed her face. She said, You disappeared pretty soon after this investigation. Thought if I recreated the mission, you might give me a clue. Amy asked, About me? Or you? Belth didn't respond. She looked away from the hero. Amy moved closer to the blue woman. So close she could feel the coldness from the demon. The hero said, Well, you almost got it right, but not quite. The real Hildy cracked this nut like a squirrel. I barely had to do anything. The real Hildy was calm, collected. She wasn't stingy with her bombs. She didn't actually care if we knew we were coming once we got this far. Belf nodded. I didn't have a lot to go off of. Didn't have a lot to go off of. She didn't show up on camera often. Amy asked, What is it you want to find? Belphegor didn't hesitate. Who were those people? The ones in the rooms. That, I don't know for sure, Amy said. I regret not getting to find out. I do. However, I have an idea. Belphegor's form shrank. 
She fell infinitely through nothing into herself. A hand bridged the empty space and stopped her. Amy grabbed Delphi's shoulder. Do you want to see how it ends? She asked. Why would you help me? Amy didn't answer. Instead, the room re-solidified. This time, cultists lined the walls of the room. Candles littered the marble floor alongside chalk lines. In the middle of the ceremony, a massive, shapeless creature slept. Robed figures chanted in unison around the beast. From the vault door, an explosion rocked the ground. The cultists rushed to put themselves between the door and the ritual. Amy, a different, younger Amy, entered the room. She wore the same yellow and orange flight suit, but everything else about her felt lighter and warmer. Her lips drew back into a grin. Hildy followed behind her with an arrow knocked on her bow. The memories moved through the dreamers without touching them. Their leader rushed to the side with her hands in the air. She cried out, Stop! The sleeper must not awaken! The different Amy held up a hand herself. It drew the arms and legs of the woman backwards with invisible force. The current Amy cringed and rubbed her head. She told Belf, It's my fault. That's why I didn't stop you sooner. What do you mean? Asked the blue woman. In the memory, the creature stirred. Tentacles, claws, and wings struck out from the beast. The memory of Amy threw a punch at the creature, but her arm moved like it was stuck in gel. Waves of power erupted from her, pushing over the occultists. The beast roared and charged her. She caught its jaws and held it back. Its teeth clapped above her cheek. The creature reared back for a killing blow. Amy held her hands together. A column of force struck the beast between its eyes. It went still before slumping onto the ground. The remaining cultists ran from the room. Hildy threw bolas with both hands to capture as many as she could. The creature's form stopped shifting. Its edges became solid. The tentacles, claws, and wings melted into one another until only the form of a young girl remained. Amy uncoupled her cape and wrapped it around the girl. She picked her up and started walking for the door. Hildy asked, Are you sure you should hold that thing? It's fine. She looks a little shaken up, though. Amy used her hand to brush hair from the girl's face. She had a rough trip. The memory melted away. Belth continued watching where the forms had been. She brushed back tears. The blue girl asked, What happened to the others? Amy shook her head. No clue. They disappeared. Every room was empty after you woke up. Why didn't you? <laughs> Why didn't Aegis? Amy flew to her. She reached out for Belth, but the demon shrunk away from her hand. The hero said, You didn't get a chance. You kept disappearing from our holding cells every time you went to sleep. Then you fell in with Mammon. I, I, I left for a bit. We let you fall between the cracks. It was our mistake. No, it was my mistake. I should have been there for you. Belphegor evaporated into a mist. The cloud made a sigh-like trill. The sound reverberated through the inky blackness. Amy felt herself rising toward the surface, as if she was underwater. Her body and mind melted at the edge of being awake. Her apartment was quiet, except for the ticking of an antique mantel clock. The room was lit in gray-purple rays streaming in between the blinds and the wall. It was sparse, except for a bookcase filled with leather-bound journals, a dresser, the bed, and a polished chrome egg the size of an armchair. She stretched her toes, 
Floating to the bathroom, she brushed her teeth, combed her hair, and washed her face. Pulling back the shower curtain from the tub, she saw Belphegor with her arms crossed with a wide stare. The blue girl was dressed in pajamas. The pillow was stuffed behind her head. She held a stuffed octopus to her chest. Amy sat on the toilet next to her. Neither said anything for several minutes. Amy broke the silence by saying, So, do you mind moving to the bed or the couch? I kind of want to take a shower before my license exams today. Belf didn't move. She pulled her octopus closer. The girl asked, Am I a monster? It's too early for this. Amy stood and crossed to the sink. She poured a glass of water. She waited a moment to make sure it filled and spilled over the side. Walking it back to the girl in the tub, she said, I don't have the answers. If I can't punch your problem, I'm kind of out of ideas. Belf accepted the glass, wiped at her eyes, and took a sip. Amy said, We have to find what fills that empty space in our hearts on our own. I can't tell you what will make those feelings go away. But you're no more a monster than I am. So, Belf said, how much of a monster are you? The end for now. You got me. <laughs> yeah. You texted me and you were like, I'm one third of the way through. You know, and you were asking me a question. I was like, I can't answer that. <laughs> yeah. You did answer it and it spoiled it for me. Uh... Not totally. But I went, oh, it's an alternate dimension. <laughs> I had it figured out and I was like, I can't believe Daniel's going this direction. And then it was all a dream. <laughs> yeah. But it's a very clever thing since we make up the history as we're going you tricked me in a way that wouldn't have worked in a regular comic yeah in a regular comic they might think this is some alternate dimension or something this is earth three or whatever there might be some other way that they could think this is actually happening but i went captain infinity was on the aegis moon glow why not she was on aegis i bet <laughs> daniel's just making some executive decisions here okay no so when I first read the story, well, when you first, first read off, it, this is or no, wrote no, it. When I first was writing, oh, I heard right. heard yeah. you say when I first read it, and I went play, oh. plagiarism alert. Actually, I've just been paying some college kid to write all my papers for me. Oh. <laughs> the truth comes out. Yep, it's me, Truth Satyr. <gasps> the truth will always out. No, my only weakness, truth. We do a lot of fun characters here. If this is your first time joining, we always do that <laughs> stuff. It's like an improv session over here. Oh, and I was first writing it. So first off, this is after 2,000 other words that I've tossed away. That story was awful. I got to this part of the story, and I was like, okay, I think the story actually starts here. And I was just kind of free writing. And so I was like, who was on the old Aegis team? 
I think it was these people. And then I was rereading it, and I was like, no, Moonglow wouldn't have been on this team. And that's when I was like, yeah, I'm going to make that a plot point and leave her in. Yeah. Oh, not related. There's some stuff that you had in there that, like, she couldn't read the, the print, and I was like, cut this. Oh. It makes sense yeah. after. I'm still patting myself on the back for she starts pouring a cup of coffee and has, like, a 10-minute long conversation. And then she's like, oh, it's half full. And then later in the bathroom does that again, just to make sure. Yeah, you had some clues in here. Yeah. There were things that stood out, I guess. I didn't catch all of them, obviously. There were things that went, that's weird, and then moved along. I have in my notes here, uh, Amy seems dangerous. Yep. In what way? Hey, let's go check out uh, this cult place. Oh, uh, I could just go into space and then dive bomb it. <laughs> uh, Amy, could you, like... Dial it back to maybe like four or five instead of going straight to 11. <laughs> hey, Amy, could you calm down like even 10% <laughs> would be a lot less right now. So I had two thoughts on that. One thought is that she already knows it's a dream. So she's just like, I'm going to screw with her and just be like, yeah, it's no big deal. I can just blow it up with my hands. And my other thought was maybe Amy was a lot more rash and like really did think with her hands, so to speak. Yeah. For a long time. So I just got a big chuckle out of that. It's just, yeah, I'll just tear it apart. Yeah. Let's do it. She can calm down a bit. <laughs> <laughs> she can. But yeah, you introduced some more whole cult of Hecatate stuff. Yeah, I don't think I really added much to their background, but I had more with them. Yeah. We haven't really gone into a whole lot, but I guess something was happening with them be- right before Amy disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. And this gives. Some Belstery. Yeah. I had some like vague ideas of maybe about where she's from and what's going on, but I really liked getting to dive into her character a little bit more into Amy's character. Yeah, that's interesting. I had the thought that Belf probably, if she needs anything, she just jumps into some rich person's dream or whoever has whatever she needs his dream and just gets it. Like the coats to their bank account or whatever. And so she doesn't really need things. Oh, but... My idea for Belphegor's background is maybe she's from the dream dimension and the cult like brought her through and they could make her into a monster or something if they did it right. But instead she just turned into a lady. Yeah. Was she a little girl when she came uh, in? I think like teens. Oh, okay. Because I think now she's definitely young adult or late teen. Yeah. I kind of imagined her a lot like Marla Singer as far as just that kind of chaotic laissez-faire yeah so that's belphegor yeah i did want to discuss briefly the timeline of events okay so we have amy disappearing roughly three years ago right in our our current timeline she is you know somewhat just returned it's been it's been not that long since she's returned right but we definitely do have her disappearing during artificial insurrection right at the beginning of that so we do have a definite date for artificial insurrection is roughly three years ago. Yeah. But also recently on our Zompocalypse City is what I ended up titling the episode. <laughs> we said, I like to think of artificial insurrection of one of, as one of the first events <laughs> or like an earlier event, but that doesn't jive with the other things we've said. <laughs> 
and this made me realize well, it. So I think just artificial insurrection happened three years ago, and we've had other things happen before then that were big events. Yeah, is all it is. It wasn't. I guess it wasn't an early one like we thought. Yeah. <laughs> or we have like four events, or we have events every month in this comics universe. <laughs> we've got artificial insurrection, some apocalypse city. Yep. Lance landslides the one right before Amy gets back. Yeah, that seems right. So we probably have one more in there. Maybe. Well, we have the cult of Hecate is at least a somewhat of an event where yeah. spell squadron explodes. Right. right I'm right. seeing that as a pretty big event. I guess we don't have anything else super set in stone. I just imagined more events because otherwise, like it seems like if this stuff was brewing right before Amy left. Cult of Hecate happened right the next event. What if Cult of Hecate happened between Zompocalypse City and Landslide? I mean, it could. Because then that would have been a year between timelines and then the new Spell Squadron just be coming out. Yeah. I think we need a few more events also. Right. (laughs) And that might help us finalize some stuff. But we basically got it booked if we're doing yearly events, yearly big events, we've basically got it booked from from artificial insurrection on now. Yeah. Now I feel like we're getting a more firm framework to work within. Yeah. I mean, what way? Do we have anything else for yours? Did you have any inspirations for this one? Are you just winging it? Your inspiration was the 2,000 words you wrote before? <laughs> My inspiration was to not fail those 2,000 words that died on the chopping block for this story. Originally, I had this idea for a story where a woman wakes up in a cafe and everybody keeps talking to her about how she should write down something in the book. And it turns out that anything you write in the book comes true. And she's like in the men in black, basically. But it's also a dream world or something. And I was like, oh, that's a really great idea. I'm going to put all that into an Amy Dangerous story. And it was just not good. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a fan. I'll try again later. Yeah. The things I liked in that story were all the little weird dream tells. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's it for me. Cool. I think that's all the questions I have. Ready for your story? Sure, let's go. Drop by Quentin A. Pongratz. It's dark, but not as dark as it was before. That's how I know it's over, right? I can actually see this darkness. I can hear my heart beating. I'm not breathing, but I gave that up centuries ago. I should move to scope out my surroundings, but I don't. Perhaps there's light around the corner. Perhaps I'm in some pocket dimension that would dissolve when I turn my head. It's okay to do nothing for a moment. I earned that much after... After what? I don't remember what happened before this. Before I was cut off from everything. At some point, the memories just drop off into the depths. The more I try to conjure them, the blurrier they become. Then I hear it. That single word, help screamed out with such terror that I know their only chance is from above. They need a superhero to swoop in from the sky and deliver them from danger. My whole body tenses. Every muscle is primed to go and that's what they do. They release and I become speed. My hair and cape blow behind me because they are beholden to air in ways I am not. I burst out of the darkness and I feel the sun once again. I'm in space, my body can survive it and the cold doesn't bother me, but feeling the sun again after feeling nothing for so long, I feel like an ice cube dropped in a bowl of soup. That doesn't happen though.
My muscles don't release. I don't leave this darkness. I just tense up. Over time, the tensing lessens. Then it's over. Whoever cried out is left unanswered. I feel it in my shoulders. I feel it in my stomach. A drop of guilt added to each. I had only ignored the call to action once before. I hate it. I will never be able to lift my shoulders as high as I could have before because of that added weight. I've fallen short and will never be able to catch back up. I hear another. My muscles tense again. The same savior montage runs through my head. I retreat there. I flip through my memories like Polaroids. The stacks and stacks of times I answered the call. I fly over the streets and dip into the canyon the buildings create. The man lands in my soft arms instead of the abrupt rigidity of the pavement. He thanks me as I set him down. Several dozen more of those before I reach the cats. The old lady thankful for the rescue. A young girl crying because she thought her cat lost. I run my finger over the cats in the pictures and each purrs before their reunion. I flip through more. The fires I put out. The families I saved from the ones I couldn't extinguish. The hostages taken from those wishing harm. The bystanders in clashes with supervillainy. The memories could fill a room and I could look at them all day. Perhaps I do. They fill me with a sort of distant happiness. A yell for help. The same one or a different one. Instincts kick in. I drop the photos. My body is ready. Then nothing. Off I should go. Off I want to go. But I don't. Drops accumulate as I don't move. At some point, I stop tensing after each call. Then I see it. It's a small dot at first. But it's the only light I've seen since my senses have returned. I can't tell if the light is far away or small. A simple shift in perspective would answer the mystery, but I can't move. Or I can and don't. It gets bigger. Closer? It doesn't have to be too big before my telescopic sight can see through it. Earth. It's right there, sitting in space. Home. As home as I can call any place. It's not close in terms of distance, but I could be there in an instant. The instant passes, then minutes. Seeing Earth allows me to see time pass. It does. The world spins, and I watch it spin without me. The hole to the outside has gotten larger and closer. If I had any doubts about being able to fit through the hole when I tried to go to Earth, those doubts are gone. I could reach out a hand and I'd be able to feel space. The sunlight on my skin. It could recharge me, and I could get going, and I'd be on Earth, and I'd be helping, and I'd rid these weighty drops from my body, and I just need to move to do it. I see the Aegis space shuttle. It's flying away from Earth and towards me. My friends are on that ship. Maybe they're looking for me. I should feel happy. I want to feel happy. Yet there's this pit between hypothetical and actuality. Hildy would be the one driving. Her stack of photos showing her skill with the bow. Some show her discomfort with flight as I carry her to high ground. I could signal her. A snap with my super strength would measure something on one of the ship's instruments. Ichival would be on the ship. I touch the pictures of them and feel their slick skin until I catch on one of the suction cups. Their many limbs grab my finger as I pull away from the memory. Can all memories do that? Or is that just a side effect of his telepathy? I could transmit some thoughts to him. Quake would be there too. 
my very presence outside of this place and she'd pick up the gravitational anomaly. She was always annoyed when we flew anywhere together. If we get caught unawares, it's your fault for messing with my gravity sense. I hold the moment in my mind. I run my fingers over it and see all the times she said the same thing. She would always laugh like it was the first time she said it, like it was the pinnacle of comedy. I'd laugh too, each time, my hair rushing back behind me, but hers remained as if she were on the ground. When you control gravity, you don't have bad hair days, even when you're breaking through the sound barrier. I turn the photo over and see it sealed with a kiss, each pair of lips a different shade she wore. I run my fingers over them. They smudge. The jet passes by my aperture to the outside world. I should be sad. I thought I would be sad. Instead, nothing. Why? The earth cries for help again. Is it closer now? It would be easier now than it was before. One small step and I would be out there again. One small shove and my body would fall into that familiar movement. The momentum could carry me through just one step, but I couldn't before. I couldn't move when my shoulders were unburdened. Now they're loaded up with these drops, each one a tiny ton. I couldn't move just my arm to get help from my friends. How am I supposed to move my whole body? The cry passes, the drop drops, the earth turns, and I do nothing. I think about the first drop. I didn't feel it at first. I felt other things. I felt love. I felt passion. I felt warmth. Yet when I hold the picture in my mind, I don't feel any of that anymore. I just feel the weight that came after. The candlelight in the photo flickers. I run my fingers over the flames and they go out. The signs outside paint the scene with their neon lights. The sheets move and my fingers tense as I hear the call again. I don't leave though. The weight waits for the morning. The sunlight filters through the window and when I stand, I feel it my shoulders imperceptibly hunched. Come back to bed, a voice says, and I can't. The photograph fades as the relationship did. I let it go and it drops hard, weighing on my mind like the drops on my shoulders. I blink and the opening is upon me. No steps required. Now I'm in space. I feel the warmth of the sun. I hear Earth clearly. I look behind me. A small circle of black obscures the expanse of stars. It shrinks until it's either no more or small enough to not be visible against the backdrop of space. I'm out of it. I didn't do anything, but I exist again. I look back to Earth. I hear another call. My body responds. It tenses. Then I go. I glide through space and reach the planet. I feel the heat of re-entry on my skin. I feel my hair and cape flailing behind me as I go to the source of the sound. I feel everything again, but diminished. There's a bridge between the hypothetical and actual now, but I'm still on the other side watching my actions from there. I step back. I watch me save a building full of people from a 30-foot tall mechanical spider. I drop the photo and pick up the next, watching memories be created without me. The end.
she like in a black hole? Hey man, the prompt was void and I followed the prompt. I just saying, the, just seemed the cool. prompt didn't come later. <laughs> Definitely came before. No, um, it's like a story I had been wanting to write. I don't know when I actually wrote it. I guess I can see. Is the end of March? Oh. The story has existed since March 31st, <laughs> and it's I've, I've done another draft by the time this episode is done, but in a completed form by the end of March. I don't know. It was a story I had had in my head because depression elements. Right. And I wanted, I wanted to get some of that out, those feelings out, and I just, that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that came through pretty good. I was feeling those elements. Yeah. I feel like there was a dark period in my life where I was not clinically depressed because I don't go to a therapist. <laughs> but I feel like it definitely was. I don't know. It's hard to talk about. Right. Because these subjects often are. But uh, it felt like this. <laughs> like uh, you want you want to do things, but uh, you don't do things. And then... It just kind of compounds on itself, and then, yeah. And I always feel a bit, I don't know, guilty is probably not the right word, but I always feel like I didn't, I wasn't as depressed as other people. I've seen, you know, larger depressions, and so there's a little bit of guilt associated with it. But you could still be depressed, even if yours isn't, like, I don't know, catastrophic depression. Right. Like, yours is still valid. Yeah. And you're still allowed to be upset. Even if it's not yeah, as other people's. Yeah, and I still have periods where I go, well, if I didn't, I don't know if I ever like thought of suicide in a real serious way, but other people do. So right. that makes mine less or whatever, or I wasn't totally alone. So, you know, some people are, but I don't know. It's good. It's good if you're feeling any, any way like that to like talk to people about it because I felt like I was in a void where I did not talk to people about it. And I had, I don't know, I was I was still seeing friends weekly, like, or, you know, often enough, it felt. <laughs> and those weren't, those weren't, I didn't, like, shut myself away entirely, but those were, like, small moments in a, in a larger sea of <laughs> void, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. But even if you... If, if you feel guilt, you shouldn't feel guilty for how you feel, I don't think. Right. And hopefully if someone feels like they read about other depression accounts and there's like a weird, I mean, you're, yeah, yeah, words are hard. Yeah, no, it's hard to talk through all that. Because I remember when I was feeling down, we talked about it a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, it feels way better just to say it out loud. Yeah, and it's hard to talk about it even yeah. when you know it's there you like even when you hear all of this stuff that says it's better to talk about it i don't know there's like a resentment there as part of it um but it does feel better to share with the people and it might feel nice to have like a, a therapist to talk to <laughs> one infuriating thing the other day was somebody was like if you're feeling sad just go to a therapist that's it that's all you have to do and the reason it made me kind of mad was, was they're like, "There's no reason you can't go." I was like, "I can't take off work a lot of weeks, and even if I do, I can't always afford the copay." 
So like it must be nice to be able to just go to a therapist. Yeah, I've seen like those advertisements for talk to someone online, and uh, I there's one time I went most of the way through one, and it was like, okay, well, give us a credit card. I went, well, I can't really do that. <laughs> like there's the the suicide hotline, but if for if you're not feeling suicidal, there's not a super easy solution. I'm not saying. I mean, that. there's VR chat. <laughs> You could just go on there and just unload. Yeah. I don't know if that's any healthier. There's, there's probably supportive places online. You could find people that are willing to talk to you. It, do, it does help to talk to other people about the way you're feeling, even if it's hard to get to that point where you actually do that. I know um, one of your original notes was that the ending was, what if you have her, like, she just kind of goes with the flow. She's she's out of it, out of this void, but... uh still still feels not entirely there and one of your notes was what if she you know goes for it with gusto (laughs) not exactly the words but you were just now that she's out of it you know why 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 doesn't she save someone with the you know with a smile (laughs) i was just part of this is like even when you feel like you're kind of out of it it still doesn't feel entirely normal right yeah, that's just, hopefully I can cut that into words that sound to people that um, depression sucks and hopefully talk to people and it'll help at least some. <laughs> I'm just imagining the edit would be like, talk to people. <laughs> yeah, you got some questions? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I don't know. None of my questions will be as deep as that discussion. My story has some sad feels, but they're pretty light. <laughs> Yeah, and I think yours is pretty hopeful. Yeah. Well, other things I was going to ask you about. (laughs) So I really like the imagery with the Aegis space shuttle floating by. Oh, yeah. I'd kind of forgotten that we were talked about them having a space station and all that jazz. Yeah, I think this one, they're just on some space mission. (laughs) (laughs) It just happened to go by. And also she doesn't know the the fact she doesn't know that Hildy is uh, dead. No, that was sad. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> but that made me feel really bad because I was like, she's going to get back to Earth and that's going to be a thing. Oh. So I think the big stuff in this episode, though, has to do with Quake and Amy. Yeah. Because she started off saying she messes with Quake's powers since her powers are both kind of similar sets. Yeah. But then she has a photo. She has photos of everyone. What are you talking about? <laughs> One was sealed with a kiss. Yeah. The thing about Amy is I think we've determined that she's just been around forever, even since ancient times. So I think she just could have relationships with anyone. Yeah, I can see that. Mentioning Amy's lifespan, we did... So in Infinity Cafe, she talks about being really old. But then I think in Citadel, we talked about stuff hasn't really been going around since like the 80s. Do we want to say she's still been around for a long time? Oh, I think she's been around. She, okay, she just didn't have powers. No, no, maybe. I think she's with her powers. She's been around for a long time. Is how I've always pictured it. Okay, is that like the ancient superheroes? She was with them also. Okay, <laughs> that's how I was always envisioning it. I don't know about you. That's kind of how I was thinking about it. Is she had just kind of always existed? But I wanted to double check because I know we'd made some changes. I think what I'm saying is I think Amy is pansexual. So yeah. No, yeah. Because you mentioned she uh, was with an alien, so. Wow, Michonne. Yeah, that's an alien. Yeah, 
She could be an alien, maybe. But if she's an alien, she's been in a relationship with humans, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, uh, do you think her and Quake were in a relationship? I mean, it hadn't occurred to me before this story. But you wrote Infinity Cafe after you read this. So did you write that one as if they had had a relationship previously? I think I forgot about <laughs> it. <laughs> I think I forgot that that was a, an element in this story. I wrote it just as if they were buttonheads as not colleagues, but rivals. Yeah. But I kind of like the idea of at least at the very least, they used to be like maybe a lot closer. Yeah. Also, when I wrote this, I went, I don't feel like, I feel like we should have Amy Dangerous be, uh, you know, a more positive person in stories before i do this bit (laughs) and then you wrote her post disappearance with this in mind i think and you had her kind of bitter in infinity cafe and i went hmm (laughs) this this isn't really going according to my plan of showing me as a very positive person well so draft one of infinity cafe she was very bitter and jerky and you kind of brought that up and that was actually a really big like that really helped cement her attitude in my head and i rewrote her i think to be a lot more friendly i mean it, it, that stuff is post post her being in the void i don't, I don't know right. what i didn't ever want to since we were still pretty early in the universe when i wrote this i didn't want to say what where she had been but after she had been wherever she was had been there was also kind of like some memory loss in this one, <laughs> conveniently for my story, so I didn't have to know what right. had happened. But So now that I'm freshly thinking about this story, along with other things we've talked about with her, my thought is wherever she went for that time has stuck with her. So I don't know how that'll come up, but like maybe she's still kind of in that void, but putting on a good face. Yeah. That's why I didn't want her to just like yeah, no. beat up elf in the bathroom because she's like eh, she's just a messed up there's also i thought you when i thought that the the first part of the story was taking place in the past i went she wasn't always like (laughs) (laughs) uh i was like i feel like we're portraying amy in a very uh like negative light (laughs) but she would nope she was being flippant as part of it and yeah the other part is it was not in the past (laughs) right (laughs) so it it did make sense after that but at first i went she should have some positive moments daniel (laughs) (laughs) anything else with my story um is part of amy's power set able is she able to feel people on earth that's what it was at the time okay because they were a little more vaguely superman powers and now they're like heat they're all heat i don't I don't understand what her powers are. Are they all telekinesis? It's like telekinesis. But a lot of it's heat. You have her melt the door. You have her... No, she's so strong that her hand just melts through it. You have her melt the statue into a frown. Yeah, that was... Uh, She has heat-based powers. (laughs) She's so so hot. (laughs) She just rubs her hands together really fast and then pushes against stuff. Super friction powers. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I, I was attributing it to maybe like super hearing or possibly there's a connection somehow to Mm -hmm. earth, but it could very well be a telekinesis thing, but telepathy side of it. Those are different powers, but they're often used together. Like move things with your mind is completely different from read minds. Just because you can move a book doesn't mean you can read a book. 
it's two different powers moving things and reading <laughs> if if human abilities are powers they're two different things right i've got read powers yeah i've got read powers but my mood move powers are pretty low yeah yeah i try my butt off to become a jedi but moving rocks around with my brain but it hasn't worked out yet i'm moving around my hands but it's still pretty low powered i've telekinesis with my hands yeah yeah Next week, we're going to do world building episode for Amy Dangerous. Yep. We'll finally figure out where she was. Yeah, maybe. You'll have to listen and find out. I imagine it's like that uh, Captain America comic where he went to Dimension Z and had a son (laughs) and was there for like 18 years. (laughs) And then he comes back and everyone's talking about Hydra and he's just, I had like a son. Or Finn when he goes into (laughs) Pillow World. Yeah. Yeah. He has like a whole life in Pillow World. Yeah. Want to end there? Yeah. yeah, we should end. Okay. Well, join us for our next episode. Our art was by Lisa Prather. You can find it Instagram.com slash Lisa Prather Art or Lisa Prather Art.com. Yep. You can email us prompt ideas, questions about stuff we said wrong. Just email it like, hey, what's up, guys? Um, at doubleissueshow at gmail.com. I've got a Twitter. I'm at Guare. Yeah. Uh, you want to hear my mom's critique of your Twitter? <laughs> sure. I don't always know what Daniel's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised she followed me. I don't know. I didn't, like, I haven't followed some of my family. Because I was like, I don't think you'd want to listen to me on Twitter. Yeah. It, it's okay if she unfollows, really. Yeah. <laughs> you can find me at Quentin Pongratz on Twitter. I don't know my name on Instagram. I don't use it. My Facebook is for private use, so don't find me on there. But find us on our website, wsu.show, our yeah. WSU Twitter, Facebook, WordPress, Discord. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Or you'll hear us next week. Yeah. Whichever it is. And here come the song credits. That's it. The songs are Free Harmonics by the Free Harmonic Orchestra. Last Boss, Let's See What We Got by Komiku. Staring at the Void Between Me and the Wall by Mon Plaisir. Lucid Awakening by Parvis Decree. Talk to Me by Loyalty Free Music. Let's start at the beginning by Lee Rosevier. Undercover Vampire Policeman by Chris Zabriskie. You can find all those songs on Free Music Archive. We got links to all those songs and all the artists in the show notes. Uh, the, here's the the end thing. Oh no, I think we lost our Spain listener. <laughs> no, Wait, no, 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 that's that's in the last three months. Nine downloads in the last three months is they're they're staying current. Okay, okay. That, there's that one that one Spain listener. It looked like we picked up at one point. They uh. They kept with it. Oh. Yep, Spain's got 32, so they've got, like, one guy. 